Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Social Division. Today's episode, we discuss news and analysis. This is a 90-minute discussion. We invite you to call in at 347-857-1319. All right, we're back here, finally back after probably shoot, three, three, uh, three weeks. <laughs> yeah, we're away from yeah, a while. Brother. Yeah, we've been busy. <laughs> so whoever's still listening to the show, we really apologize. We haven't been on, and uh, we just had a we we really just had a discussion about the show, and we probably this might be our last show for a minute until we can just find some more space and time. To really do the show like it needs to be done, and because uh, both Carl and I are extremely busy, and you know, of course, keeping the show up costs money, and so we're going to probably have to park it for a while. But we do have um, at least over a hundred shows and archives and that kind of thing. And uh, if if well, I think if we find that, uh, you know, at least I know for me, if, if I can if I can get out of doing something else, and you know, and replace you know, get, do something else and find more time, then I can come back and do this, you know, like really, really well. And so, um, so yeah, uh, definitely if anybody's listening out there, um, you know, appreciate you listening and being a part of it. I, I know I've met some people on Twitter in the last couple of years. It's been really great. And, um, you know, Brother Naj out there, Brother Jay, you know, people like that has been really great to, uh, have you guys come on and, and you know, give input and stuff like that. And uh, if anybody's interested in trying to keep, keep the show going, uh, if you got some time, you know, give, give me a, you know, uh, contact me at the um, Social Visions on, on Twitter. Uh, you know, maybe because if we had a, some, some help, we may could keep it going. But right now we just can't do it. So you want to add anything, brother? Yeah, I, I just wanted to say we've produced a huge uh, – uh, bank of information about uh, socialism, socialist vision, different, looking at it from different angles. Um, I go on Google, I see now uh, um, more people talking about socialism and a vision of socialism. When we first started this, remember, there was little or no discussion. Remember that? Yeah. I mean, nobody wasn't yeah. talking about this, man. No one. Right. Right. Um, and right. I would search the Internet looking for stuff about you know, who's talking about this stuff? And we were talking about it long before the explosion of uh, Bernie Sanders' campaign, which brought into, into uh, popular domain the notion of socialism. And then, you know, people are now um, begin to, you know, are really talking about it in many different ways and want to know about it. I mean, it caused the, you know. Bernie Sanders' campaign caused an explosion of DSA and a lot of other left groups. But when we first started, yeah. this was this was all pioneering in the sense that we were giving analysis about not the current events of the day, but but about um, what is socialism, what is historical materialism, what is you know um, you know scientific socialism, what is I mean we were ans- trying to grapple and answer some of these questions. So there's lots 
there for people to go and check out and critique, um, to speak to. Um, you know, we've had different people, Jody Dean, uh, uh, Bill Fletcher. I mean, we had different people come on and speak on different aspects. Um, so um, uh, I, I, I'm proud of the work that we have done um, and what we've produced that will be a historical archive for years to come for someone who want to go back and listen to know what is socialism and what does that word mean and what does it mean in the context of, you know, the current event of the day? What does it mean to have a North Star to guide the work that you're currently are doing in a um, uh, popular current uh, setting that is happening right before your very eyes, not having to read you know, uh, a book from Marx in, you know, 1850 or from Lenin in 1917. But you, you read, you're talking about it as it's currently happening. Now, the concept is not new. Uh, when Karl mm-hmm. Marx uh, moved from a, uh, what do you call, they were called back in those days Republican-Democrat. He wanted uh, Germany to be united. He wanted to be come out of the feudal stage, they wanted um, bourgeois democracy. Um, he was a, what was called then a Republican Democrat. But when he came uh, to France and hooked up with Engels and those cats, they were all talking about socialism. And there were all these different types of socialists at that time, Christian socialists, uh, Blakey socialists. Um, you know, there were so many, Willington and you know, these cats were in the secret society type socialists and communists. There were so many of them, they were, and it was plenty of talk about uh, socialism in, in a different society um, from Owen and Foyer and, and, and a wide variety of folks who were talking about it at that particular time that was exciting, new, um, and uh, required you to use your intellectual reasoning uh, to understand what was happening today. And what Marx attempted to do was to say, okay, these guys were trying to craft socialism out of the air. And he says, well, they, they clearly wasn't quite, had a really good understanding as to what capitalism was. So how is it they're going to build something when it wasn't quite clear what the existing system uh, looked like and critique it, not from a moralistic from point of view, but from a much more scientific point of view to say this is what the socialism is about. So I'm, for me, I'm, I'm, I, I, I think we should be proud of the work, um, a body of work that we've produced um, and, and made available for people for future generations. Yeah, yeah. It looks like uh, we have uh, Brother, uh, I think, uh, not, I think, uh, Jay, I think Jay, this is Jay. Let me see if Jay is on air. Oh, I'm getting in here. Hey, Jay, you on? Is you? Yeah, I'm on. How's it going? Hey, hey, brother. All right. All right. Yeah, I thought I recognized your number there. I had it in my notes. Right on, right on. So, yeah, <laughs> how you doing? Uh, it's, been a, it's been a very busy few weeks, especially with everything that's been going on. Um, mm-hmm. I'm listening about what's been going on with Charlottesville, trying to build mm-hmm. here in Texas. Plus, you know, mm-hmm. you have to sit here and deal with the contradiction of trying to build while you're trying to sit here and be a father to a young little three-year-old that is going on 30 and will not stop <laughs> running all over the place. So 
I get that. I, I've been there, but I get that. Yeah, I've been feel there. You. I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. I've been there. <laughs> don't. I kind of miss it and don't miss it. You know what I mean? If you ain't, yeah. it, believe me, yeah. it, it, those young years are the best. That you know, cherish it, no matter how much cherish. headache it is. Cherish that that young age. <laughs> it, when they get to the teenage thing, brother, it, it just gets so good. So yeah, when they have I'm just that, praying I'm, that she'll be a revolutionary. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you tuned in because today I don't know if you heard, but today we're probably going to call the show quits for a while until we can find some time, real some real time to keep it going because we just really our plate is so full and we've missed almost three weeks without having a show, and uh, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna you know we're just gonna pause it for a while and, and, and I promise if we ever get a chance to come back and keep it going. I definitely will because we got we have the URL, we have the stuff there, so it wouldn't be difficult to, you know, just get back in and start it back up. And, yeah, and I can understand that. Huh? I was saying I can understand, certainly understand that. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, too, is that we, you know, I'm down, I'll be taking off the premium account, so we'll always have the 30-minute uh, slot if we want to hop back on at any time and just, you know, do something for whatever 30 minutes for free. So, um, you know, that'll always be available to us as well. So for whatever reason, we want to do that. So, so but, yeah, so, yeah, uh, Jay, you, you call in a uh, good time, man. We're just going to have kind of a free-for-all talking about, you know, Charlottesville, talking about Vince Rayleigh, talking about, you know, just all kind of shit. <laughs> you know, just because it's been <laughs> happening, man. I mean, the shit's been unpacking, and this stuff, you know, to me, with this fool in office, with this asshole in office, this stuff don't end well. I mean, I know there's there's been worse crises in the world and in the past and all that, but I just got this feeling, man, that as long as this asshole is in the office, this shit is it, it's not going to end well. It, it's already bad, and and I think it's just going to get worse. And uh, you know, to me, what happened in Charlottesville. It's bad, but it's not surprising. I mean, you know, it's just that's what he campaigned on. That's what he, that's what he pushed. And for him to sit here and try to try to talk about what he's against uh, racism and hatred and all that is just that's just uh, a lie. I mean, you know, he, he has to own he has to own what happened in, in this weekend. Those white folks, I don't know what the fuck they want because white supremacy is real. So I don't know, do they want more white supremacy? I don't know what the fuck they want. They ain't already got, but. Um, he has to own that. I mean, that's that's him, you know. And they were just waiting for somebody like him to 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 come to power, and and that's the reason why they were out doing it. I mean, I, I you know, so he just yeah. lying. It's God. Go ahead, Carl. Yeah, I think I think we should also look at it in uh, two parts uh, in two different contexts. Number one. Um, what took place in Charlottesville is not in, uh, new in the sense that mm-hmm. in, when Woodrow Wilson came into power, um, and I forgot what year he came in, but it was during 1915 um, uh, and uh, during that time when he became president, he was, um, was showing birth of the nation. He had a lot of people that was part of the Ku Klux Klan. Ku Klux Klan was at its height. I mean, it was in Michigan. It was in not just the South. People only think of the Ku Klux Klan South. It had its major headquarters in, you know, in the northern part of Michigan, Illinois, um, uh, all throughout the what we would call the Rust Belt. 
Um, that's where they were um, of huge influence and huge base that helped get Woodrow Wilson into office. Um, when he was in office, he refused to meet with uh, any black representative, uh, whether Booker T. Washington or otherwise. Um, and um, that during the summer from 1915 to 1918, where a series of race riots took place in every major city throughout the United States. This is where white races started attacking um, uh, in Chica- uh, blacks in Chicago, New York, uh, New Orleans, um, every, everywhere from the south all the way to the north. And um, uh, there were all these uh, what is race riots that took place that drove people. And, and Tulsa, Oklahoma was the uh, basically was a culmination of all of that. Some communities, smaller communities in Florida were burned down level like what took place in Tulsa. But it was a result because Woodward Wilson at the head was preaching and promoting, you know, you know, really advocating that Plessy versus Fer- you know, uh, Ferguson it was, supposed to, it was supposed to be implemented in the fullest manner possible, the separation of the races and, and the whole thing. Donald Trump is a reflection of that today. He is uh, basically, this is the second run of that today. And he is basically um, their man, their their man in office, the white supremacists, uh, neo-Nazis. But these are new form of neo-Nazis. Today the Klan does not have anything on what the neo-Nazis and the white supremacists or the, the the Traditionalist Party, the, I think it's called the Workers' Traditionalist Party, one of them called the Workers' Socialist Party, something like that. Um, and what they, what they have done, the neo-Nazi have done, um, which wasn't able to gain ground in the 1930s, you know, um, uh, was because the Klan had dominated and control of a lot of white supremacy organization, ideology, and, and strength. These neo-Nazis are basically are the ones that are, have, have gained what they call unite the right and around their particular president. But what gives rise to many of this is twofold. One is I've often said that we're in an economic crisis, and the working class is so weak, so divided, so fractionalized, so pol- politically undeveloped that the system, the, the bourgeoisie realized they can either do one or two things. If the working class was strong, organized, and, 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 and pushing really, really, really hard, it would have basically conceded and gave you something along a line of a Keynesian New Dealism. Because this is weak, that they uh, and those who are trying to organize in a militant fashion, the system decided that it would align itself with the more fascist forces to keep the working class separated, fighting among each other, and repress and, 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 and completely obliterate unions and progressive organization altogether. So their role is to be the, the, the shock troop that's what is taking place in this whole deregulation uh, to turn back Dodd-Frank, which is not, the, you know, we want the banks uh, nationalized, but Dodd-Frank basically says keep them as they are, but regulate, regulate. Uh, what we would call regulated capitalism. But they are attempting to roll back every possible thing, um, uh, regulations and uh, uh, union uh, uh, support, uh, uh, concessions that have won through the state. It wants to completely obliterate unions and turn them into more or less associations for, for the bourgeoisie. And I think 
they are the shock troop. That's their function to work within the, in the working class to do the, to by force force people to move in that direction. What they wasn't expecting was a, also a large section of folks who were going to fight back. Um, and I'm not saying back in 1915 blacks didn't fight back. They did. They were shooting back, but they were because they were a minority. They were isolated and easily. Um, uh, 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 repressed and, and, and the oppression was great. This is a much different dynamic where the liberal wing of the bourgeois party is, is embarrassed about, uh, about all of this that has, ta- uh, that has taken place. So there's a, a lot of different dynamics that is taking place in Charlottesville, uh, both historical, uh, politically, economic, uh, from a point of view, and the rise and validation and normalization of white supremacy in the open and blatant, not not hide it no more, no more, you know. Let's let's p- just put it out there. Let's protect the the the, uh, the historical legacy and spirit of white supremacy, and that's what they're trying to do. And um, what this really means to the working class is that uh, we have to unite. We have to unite the working class, but we have to unite with a clear sense of fighting uh, white supremacy, racism. It cannot, you know, equivocate on this issue. It cannot seek a middle ground and say we're all for the middle class. It cannot use, you know, um, these uh, petty bourgeois uh, notions of how we should uh, struggle and fight. It needs to be clear. It needs to be sharp. And I must say what is clear analysis and, and base ought to be and fight back um, uh, 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 going forward. So, I mean, that's a, more of an analytical point of view, um, analysis of what, what took place. Well, you know, Carl, I'm sitting here uh, looking on Twitter uh, because right now there's a protest outside of Trump Tower because I guess right. he's supposed to be coming back there or something. And uh, so, I mean, there's a, like a decent trend of these shots, a huge uh, protest right now. And what I've what I noticed with on Twitter and just, you know, seeing stuff on social media is, is, is and what, I'm, what I think is really positive is you see this kind of broad-based pushback against right. this. I mean, you know, there, certainly right. there's 62 million people, white folks, majority white folks who voted for his, his dumb ass. But there's also three-fourths of the country who, who simply just says, this is not us. This is not what we're about. And particularly young a younger generation as well, partially, not all the younger generation, but part of the younger generation saying, hey, we're not doing this. And so, sure, we all are part of the working class, but I, I think this is a, a diverse uh, mass kind of resistance that you see popping up. And it was, you know, like all weekend with what was happening in Charlottesville, there was, there was just a stream of uh, stuff on Twitter, I man, that was just, you know, like, no, we, we're not down for that. You know, we ain't the KKK can get the fuck out of the, out of this country. I mean, they don't. People ain't down for this. Is a new day, right? And and so, really, what that tells me is, this is a grand opportunity for to for for left forces, people that are, that believe in, in in real progress, and, and and breaking down some of these uh you know, historical racist class boundaries that existed. This is you know we're in the right direction there because. And the one thing you can say, this asshole has united a lot of people around resisting those kinds of 
that kind of uh, 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 racism and discrimination and all, all that kind of stuff. So he's, he's doing that, or, or at least if he's not doing it, because it was already out there, you know, we've, we've always been resisting. But it just takes something like this sometimes to kind of, to kind of make us, you know, do more, you know, to get us more out there. And so I'm looking right. at these signs on, on here talking about, you know, we don't want no fascism. You know, we don't, uh, you know, several of the signs talk about fascist America. Uh, we don't want the violence that's going down. Um, these, are, these, are try- these are serious times, right? And, and when capitalism is up against the, against the wall and you got these, these, these KKK uh, right-wing forces, who I don't even know what the fuck. I don't even they know what the fuck they want, except for just you know more power and more privilege. They, they certainly are not going to be in the, in the billionaire class. They certainly are not going to make any more money as as a result of of uh, Trump in power. They're certainly not. They're not going to get shit than what they already got. So I don't know what the fuck they they're going out there with these damn, you know, like um, they were out there with a the little candlelight uh, a rally. You know, I, I, you know that that is not going to. That, that, that's not going to get them anything. So, so, and when people ask them what they want, they're very inarticulate about what they want and why are they doing this in the first place. And so this is a new day, and, and, it's, and it's, it's, it's very inspiring to see the, the, the um, you know, I wish I was in New York right now because it's just so inspiring to see the, the resistance and the, and the outcry uh, to this fool. And and the, and the really the, and what should give people pause is, is that you see this much resistance, it's been consistent from day one, but we have a democracy, we have a weak ass democracy that not only is so fucking weak that it allowed somebody like that to get into office, and I don't mean just because he's a Republican, I'm talking about because he has no qualifications for being there, right? He is totally um, antithetical to any kind of real progress. And how do you allow a, democracy, a, a democratic society or democratic institution to allow this kind of uh, uh, people, somebody to get in, in power? He got there because he had money. And this is the lesson we ought to, people ought to learn about this. You're, you're allowing the oligarchy to shape democracy in this country. That's what, that's what we've allowed to do. You've allowed an a, a oligarchy to do that. So even people start talking about, well, um, his daughter Ivanka may be running for office, uh, you know, four years from now, whatever. Why? Why would you tolerate that shit? This woman has no fucking. Qual- she has zero plus, a hundred percent, no qualifications uh, to be in, in office. Zero for anybody's office. Fucking, she couldn't run. She couldn't handle a fucking PTA, let alone the fucking like any any level of city. Statewide national office. She has no business there. She has no business there. So it, it, well, it, we really need to look at how do we look at this democracy, the so-called democracy we got, and how did it allow this kind of uh, uh, person and this type of ideology to come to power? I mean, this, this shit is sad. Fucking sad. Uh, Jay, you want to hop in? Yeah, um, there's a few things. And in getting into our quote-unquote democracy, we have to remember that this all basically starts with the primaries. Um, And Mm -hmm. we got to remember there were 62 million people, but 
if you look at Greg Palace, if you look at the elections, the election issues, right. the election fraud issues, Hillary Clinton was never, never the Democratic Democratic nominee. That was who were the people at the rallies? The people they wanted Bernie Sanders, they couldn't have him. So we had a whole bunch of right wingers go to Trump because he was the quote unquote anti-establishment. When people didn't realize his background is in white supremacy. He's known Steve Bannon since 2004, et cetera, et cetera. We can talk about the DNC. They have their own problems and contradictions. Um, I believe Carl talked about that a while back where they've been the party of Wall Street and war for centuries. And then now they're, they have to deal with the fact that their left-wing, liberal, progressive wing is trying to sit here and take over the party while they are the counter-revolutionary party that is still owned by the corporate state. So what we have is everybody is fighting not only the Democratic Party, you know, the, the neoliberals, they're also fighting the neoconservatives that sat here and basically got Trump elected because nobody wanted Hillary Clinton. Only 9% of the people even voted for her in the primaries, or Trump right. for that matter, right. because yeah, we can go into all that. the election issues. But the whole thing is, just on that one thing alone, the people wanted someone like Bernie Sanders and Jill Stein. Those issues, now they get basically Nixon 2.0 or Nixon 3.0, because we've had the same conservative call it neoliberal, you can call it neoconservative policies for the last 40, 50 years since Nixon, Reagan, and you just keep going down the line because nobody has stopped these, all these corporate conservative uh, policies and positions. And, I mean, mm-hmm. even Obama, he had the chance in 2009. He took away health care, public option. He created the crisis that caused all of these 19 million people that are in poverty, that are white, sitting here, they're punching down on black people and minorities because they're like, wait a minute, these people are trying to move up the ladder, and they're ahead of us, and we're supposed to be the ones that we're, you know, basically, mm-hmm. we're supposed to be the ones that are, you know, under being the, taken under, care under of by the government. Yeah, right. Their, so they're punching their, down. You know. Right. And yeah, they're punching like, down. Um, so we got... We got Go ahead. I was going to say, like, I've actually debated a fascist. And these people, Mm -hmm. they are too far gone to actually be understood. Like, um, I've had, I have currently online, there was somebody that sat here and said, there's a revolution, there's a revolutionary right. And there is no way that a fascist is revolutionary. Counter revolutionary, maybe, but. Not revolutionary, mm-hmm. and this exactly. is what I have to deal exactly. with. So, right, yeah, no, they yeah. Got to I mean, and, and I would and spend time. Crazy. I wouldn't spend time with that. I would not spend time with that. I mean, that's that's a dangerous. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't spend time with that because it's wasting your time. We have, we have. Well, uh, um, thank you, brother. We have we have uh, Naj on as well. Naj, you can you can you hop in right now? He might be working. Okay. So go ahead, Carl. You you yeah. we can kind of go around each other, you know. Huh? No, no. I I, I think. <laughs> oh, wait, I, I didn't is, know. Is that, is that Nosh? Is that Nosh? Yeah, yeah, it is. I had to hit the mute button. I'm sitting here talking to y'all on mute. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I get that, that happens sometimes. Yeah. Yes, All right, sir. brother. Yes, 
Yeah, I'm glad you glad you glad you was able to hop on. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, who who the last gentleman speaking? But yeah, you, you talk about uh, running an establishment candidate during a, a period of, of real change and a period of where people are just dissatisfied with the two parties. They've heard all the stories before, uh, the promises, and these things just weren't uh, seeping through anymore because people see beyond it. Uh, the Dems, when they became that that banking corporate power during that Clinton-Gore administration and really to run up to it, uh, they still haven't turned their back on that. And they think they can be the the party of oligarchs and working-class people at the same time. And, you know, this just doesn't happen, especially if you have an informed populace or a populace that's just starting to open their eyes a bit. Like, you can't have have those two things operating. So the Democrats are in flux. Uh, The Republicans made these promises that they can't live live up to because you've got to Demigod running, and I think uh, I think it was Jelani Cobb, uh, the professor. Uh, he made the case that a real good measurement for Trump would be McCarthy because that's that's who you're looking at. Uh, you know, reactionary, ridiculous person who usually doesn't rise this far, but once they do, they use their mode of bullying and controlling the narrative uh, to gain space. And you know, because it's gotten this far. They really have no way of, of satisfying their base besides, you know, rhetoric and, you know, slandering people. But the legislation that they want and the changes they want in their life, uh, he's not capable of providing. So, you know, we're going to have a real interesting time to see if that wing tries to destroy the Republican Party as we know it and if the Dems measure up enough gusto to really go after that party because we're seeing them come out with these centrist ideas, uh, where that, that New Deal thing they were talking about the other day. Which oh, has yeah. baked into it uh, gain skills for the new economy. So it's already there that, okay, sorry you don't have a job, but I guess you should have got those skills. You know, the excuse is already there, so you see where that is going. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're in a real, you know, real funny time right now. And uh, oligarchs are trying to figure out a way to put the genie back in the bottle in this disinformation age where so much information is there that somebody can be radicalized in just a few weeks from just a regular old conservative to all of a sudden now you're talking about somebody who sounds like a fascist. So, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy mm-hmm. to see. Yeah. No, it is. Yeah, Carl, what you got? Yeah, I, you know, this, these, these are great points, um, uh, particularly in terms of uh, the point you made, Precaria, that these, um, these are the, to a certain extent, the worst of times, but also the best of times. It's a question of whether or not how the left handles this. Um, and we've, we've talked about this more than once. Uh, as Nas uh, uh, and Jay have pointed out, in the sense of the Democratic Party is basically bankrupt because it is, it is basically controlled by the oligarchs. It is, um, it, although it's a coalition of, 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 of the working class of in, the, in the union and uh, and all these other forces, uh, people of color. At the, at the end of the day, it's controlled by uh, the you know the liberal wing of the bourgeois. As the, the right wing of the bourgeois is in the Republican Party, but the Republican Party is coming apart because of this base, who basically feels that they've been overlooked. The, the Democratic Party is will also come across, uh, fall apart because it cannot serve two masters. It cannot serve the 99% and the 1% at the same time. At some point, it will have to make a decision as to which role it wants to go. Does it want to continue to to serve the 1% because they're scared that they're not going to get the money and not get elected and, and serve their interests? 
the, the, the left is, is part of this have to be prepared for the for the miseducation and the um, the false uh, narrative and analysis. One, racism is not about prejudice. Prejudice and racism are two qualitatively different things. Racism is your prejudice could be a part of of racism, but it it in of itself. It is not because the, the cat doesn't like certain folks. It's because, it's because that racism is an institutional, connected, integrated part of capitalism. Until people understand that, but the liberal wing is going to tell you it's, it's because that, that poor soul doesn't understand it. You know, he has an attitude problem, and all we need to do is make, you know, the way we struggle is we, you know, we have to show a little love and make the connection with love with, with, with our enemy. That doesn't work. Because racism fundamentally is an institutional part of capitalism, and you have to understand that as part of that particular process. Two, they will say, we can solve this problem with the right, and the, and the, the, the Bush, particularly the liberal bourgeois wing that's within the Democratic Party will say, we, you know, we can solve this problem, but as, as Nod says, is by articulating the new, the new New Deal. Now, the new New Deal is the same old deal from from you know, the neoliberal. It didn't work for us. It hasn't worked for us. It ain't going to work for us. Plus, and most importantly, it doesn't deal with the fundamental nature of what racism is. And so it doesn't address that fundamentally. And, and, and to do that, you would have to get to the juggler vein, which is capitalism in and of itself, which means you're going to have to talk about the people who fund you in you in the in the in the Democratic Party, the other is the, uh, the, the liberal wing says we can talk it out, uh, we can have a beer. The the the, the you know uh, 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 president, uh, former president uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Obama, Obama <laughs> says we can do this by drinking a beer or just having a dialogue. Let's bring us all together, have a dialogue. No, you have to struggle. This is what people are doing on the, it, it, that took place in Charlottesville. They struggle uh, with them. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 they basically said that the neo-Nazis and the fascists, you're not, you're, you don't represent us. You are not going to dominate us. You, we're going to struggle against you right in front of your face and to America in general. So it, it is not a question of just simply we're going to sit down and have a dialogue and if they can get to know us, we can we can all get along and be a kumbaya and then you know there will be no more racism. It is, it is and it works well in the notion of the post-racial society or post-racial narrative that runs out there. At the fundamental end of the day, socialists have to be consistent, based uh, and, and, and clear and articulate both in how you struggle in the streets, because that's what the Black Lives Matter says. We will take back the street. That's what took place in Charlottesville. We will take back the street. We will struggle in the street as a basis of building our mass movement. In the process, we will articulate a clear and decisive uh, a view, a perspective. An analysis about what fundamentally about what racism and where the neo-fascists and white supremacists fit into into this uh, 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 you know this bowl of of, of of this, and we will struggle with our our liberals, our liberal left around us. We will struggle with all those who attempt to confuse 
you know, Craig Fogg among among the working class and people of color. We that's our role. That's what we fundamentally have to do. And and one and, and we can't step back. We can't move to the side. We can't say, well, you know, we may lose some friends. We have to be consistent moving forward in this particular struggle so we can build the mass movement develop and raise the contradictions in the Democratic Party. Watch the implosion of the Republican because it will implode in of itself. And, and, and ultimately we can have a party that truly represents the working class and people okay, of color. So, so here's, but, but here's the thing, and again, I'm sitting here watching this stuff unfold. Here's the thing, Carl. You know, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the, the resistance because of the the, the in other words, it's all the racism and, and, and the fascism has been ratcheted up. I mean, again, like we said, this is nothing new, but it's been ratcheted up. It's been much, much more clear out there in your face, blah, blah, blah. So you can't, like, ignore it. Now, it was, it was there under Obama, too. We know that right. it was there under yep. Obama, yeah. but he still got that. Right. But here, here what you got, though, is you got, you got this vile asshole come to power. So it's easy for people to, you know, to get out here. And and and, and 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 struggle against that and fight against that and rise up against that. I mean, there I mean, there are people. They're just swarming all over uh, Trump Tower right now. I mean, they, they they the security is seriously high, right? Now, what, what what concerns me is that's that's needed. I understand why it exists. I mean, it would be great to know like where are those different people coming from. You know, I mean, how broad of a base it is. Is there any kind of leadership elements in there? Is any kind of, you know, progressive elements a part of those marches, a part of those resistance? But what happens when this asshole gets, like, put out of power? Or what happens when he's no longer president? How do you sustain this level of resistance? Because, again, this stuff that we see today was happening under Obama. And, and, the, new, and, and the Democratic Party... And this neoliberalism is, is, is almost just as bad, even though it may not be, you know, certainly we, we, would, we would want an Obama over, say, a, a, a Trump. We, even maybe even fucking, I don't know, I hate to say it, a Hillary Clinton, Clinton over a Trump. But the Democratic Party does not, like, it's, it's not going to do anything for the people. It's not going to do that. So how do, and, and I don't see the left, the left being strong enough to lead anything. I, I just don't. I, I don't think the left Look, is leading this resistance. I don't see the people on this street right now, I don't think the left got too much to do with that. I think people are fucking pissed off. I think that they are ashamed that this man is in power and that, and that these what happened in Charlottesville, people around the world see that as representative of America. I think a lot of people are ashamed of that. Right, but I don't see the left having too much to do with well, what's going on right now. So I mean, I'm just like, what happens after he's gone? I mean, what? How do we sustain it? That's, but any of y'all want to stab at that? Or yeah, that's the right I, if I can, I, I want to jump on that one first. Uh, yeah, that's the question of mobilization or organization, and you know, we're going to find out soon which one of those is happening. And yeah, the Democratic Party and the old guard is trying to push everything to the center. Uh, co-op each one of these movements talk about having space for conversation where there is none like there is no space between you and the fascists about conversation like okay i want you i want your people gone and i want to rid you i want i want to rid you you know rid you from this earth like there's no 
mm-hmm. beer for conversation or common ground, but people will make you assume that, you know, you can have a beer summit with them and change their mind. It's like, no, that's not right. how it works. And then the Dems, their whole their whole position right now, like you see uh, the Republican who actually called their face card and made them go on the record and not be for single payer. Like that's just the first step to actually universal health care and then starting to look towards, you know, just looking at health care as not only what you what you do in the doctor, but what happens to the families who are in trouble, uh, food security, you know, uh, rent and everything else, like all the other things that actually apply to society on food, clothing, and shelter, like those things that matter. Like to get to that progressive point, we're not even seeing the benchmark, the, the low-level benchmark for the Dems being reached of being for single payer. So when you see the Dems doing that and you see the, the talking heads come out and say, well, there's an alt-left, and, you know, other such things where they try to make a comparison between the Nazis and, and progressive groups, you, you really understand what the Dem Party is doing, clearly trying to steer everybody towards that sleepy center and say, look, there's a monster over there, so you guys better vote for us because you don't want to know what that monster could do to you. Uh, so put mm-hmm. all your other issues to the side for now. So, yeah, that, that's the fundamental question, mobilization or organization, which one is going on? Yeah, because I, I just don't see – I don't see the left – driving this, this, this resistance. I mean, I just, I mean certainly there's left out there. I mean, you know, and, and certainly, like, we know but, that. But, I mean, I, I just don't see yeah. I don't see a, a organized left driving this resistance right now. I don't, don't see it. Go yeah, ahead, I, 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 but, but, I, I, but I'm not always looking for it. So mm-hmm. um, if, you, if you wait for the left to always be there, you will miss no, what's happening before our eyes. So I, it, the, the role of the role of the left, uh, and the role of the left is not always having to be the one that executed and everyone follow, uh, because not in all cases that's going to happen. Most of this stuff will happen spontaneously. The role of the left is what: are you going to continue in, in, on, in continuous mobilization, or are you going to be in continuous organization? So the question yeah. of the left is to be able to provide organizational and struggle within that mass movement. So once they go to that Trump Tower, they're all going to do their thing, and then they're going to come back and say, what do we do next? The liberals will say, let's have a beer. The left have to say, let's struggle, continue to struggle. But in the process, I'm going to tell you what you're struggling against, not the man, the system. And folks are going to say, well, I'm pissed off at Trump. I understand that. But Trump is just one part of the system. So let me, t- and I know you don't, you don't buy this now, so I'm going to take you through some more struggling and some practice. So Trump's going to do something else again. Another person's going to do something again. And through both practice and a struggle, um, you know, through analysis and study and so forth, people begin to say, aha, I get it, what you're talking about. The challenge is how do you sustain the movement, not from those who come there, but, but, um, what are the role of the left to help support and build upon it? And they may not always be the leaders. They could be in the backbone. They could be the backbone of There may be other struggles where they, they are the leaders. Like I, I would argue the ones um, that took place in Charlotte were the more organized left. There was a number of organized left folks. I could tell by the flags and some of the stuff that, you know, they were part of smaller groups, some anarchist, you know, group, but they were part of some organized um, uh, left formation, but there were a lot of people as well who were not connected to any organizations as as well. But 
at different times, mass movements are going to emerge. They're going to happen spontaneously. And the role of the left is to be a part of that, support that, figure out a way to help sustain that, be the backbone of that. And it may be, you know, sometimes you will emerge as your leader. Other times you don't have the capacity and the ability to do it. Our challenge is that we, yes, we are weak, we, but even though we are weak, what few of us that are out there doing stuff have to be able to stay in the struggle so that you bring other folks who could take up the mantle uh, of the work that you're currently are doing. Because the other thing that the left have, and particularly the organized left have, is that you are a keeper of knowledge and history. So when the system runs a game on you, and they will, because now you go, people are going through the Trump period, and they're going to forget the neoliberal and the Obama folks, what, they, what games they ran in, and Bill Clinton games that they ran. And people are going to say, that was distant past. I don't recall what they did, but I know what Trump did. And so when he's, Trump is gone, the, 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 the liberal bourgeoisie will come back and say, well, let's, 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 do, let's do this. Like it's new when it's in fact it was already done during the Bill Clinton and the Barack Obama period. The left would call it out, struggle around it, say we ain't going for that, mm-hmm. and then and and, and we, we this is what we're going to articulate and move people forward. That's that's the ability of organization, and um, and and yes, you're right, it's weak, but at the same and it's not large, it's not deep, but at the same time. Uh, you know, history has always demonstrated when you're right there in the right moment, you can't emerge much larger. The, the Chinese Communist Party only had 12 people when they were founded. You don't found no organization with 12 people today. People laugh at you. Yeah, you going to be a national organization, only you know, 12 I, of y'all I, in the room? <laughs> yeah, I, I, wish, oh, I wish that I was there. Because one of the things that, you know, like not being, not being able to not really participate in a lot of these resistance struggles, particularly like I did in the past, particularly like around Occupy, that kind of thing, was, you know, it would be really great to like for some, some kind of re- report back some kind of, some kind yeah. of dialogue with people who are out there and getting the pulse of what people are saying and thinking and looking at where, where you know, where people are coming from, you know, because, I mean, all we can do is generalize from my vantage point at this, at this point. But, and, and, and I, again, I'm, I'm not, I'm certainly clear that there's some left forces inside this resistance, but this resistance is also just people who just, you know, know the shit's fucked up. I mean, it don't take you to, to know anything about, you know, Marx or whatever to know that, 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 that what's happening um, in the White House is fucked up by any measure. And, yeah. and people should have known it. With you know doing the primaries, I mean, what they did, like, like Jay said, I mean, you know, neither one of the candidates in the primaries got, they, all of them got low, uh, 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 low, uh, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? Turnout. They got, huh? Basically, low turnout. Um, the main yeah, low, person low turnout, that was low, low, low voting yeah. right. So I mean, and I remember that. I mean, I mean, we talked about that in the show that that. That, that Trump, both Trump and Hillary, got low turnout, low voters numbers, low support, and you had a, you had somebody like a uh, uh, Bernie who who came from virtually not unknown, right, to having this huge following. So that, that says a lot about again where people where people's heads are, and I think that's what I'm saying 
is I really want to kind of keep my head in that for a while because I want to see, like, okay, we, we know what's fueling this resistance right now. We know what that is, but we want to tap into kind of, like, how can we sustain that kind of resistance, be it, a, a, you know, a Trump in power or, 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 or an Obama in power? How do we sustain that? And that, that means tapping into people's frustration. Trump tapped into these, 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 these uh, um, white folks, these, you know, these racist-ass white folks who feel alienated, for whatever sets of reasons, I don't know, like I said, I don't know what the fuck they don't have. They got all kind of privilege. Many of them got jobs, so I don't know what the fuck they're really complaining about. But, but whatever they have, he tapped into that, and that was the reason why he was able to garner that kind of support. So it's the same thing with the left here, is that we tap into what people are thinking and saying, right, and, and, and one, keep, you know, bringing that bringing what they're thinking and saying back to them, but also to add some other layers to it and say, yeah, this is where we are. This is what we're feeling about a fascist state right now. You talk about a fascist state because clearly it is, but at the same time, when, when this man is gone or when, you know, when the Republican Party is, is, is maybe not as empowered as it is, we, we, before that happens and after it happens, we need to be thinking about what do we want in terms of democracy. You know, what kind of real democracy do we want? And I mean that in terms of democracy under capitalism and a democracy under socialism and fuck a democracy under communism. We need to be talking that, talking that question because right now you, we've allowed an institution to, we've allowed it to allow thugs to run the system. I mean, they are economic, political thugs. I don't mean that subjectively. I mean that objectively. In every meaning, every meaning of the term, they are thugs, and we know this. People know this. And you allow this democratic process or whatever process we have to do that. They did it through the gerrymandering. They did it through, you know, the, the money and the politics. This is what needs to give us pause because it's going to keep happening again and again and again until we begin to start reassessing, you know, what is allowing this kind of power to come in there when we – we have the, the vast majority of people ain't for this. They're they not for this. Some people think their strategy is to say, well, fuck it, I ain't going to vote for anybody because it's rigged. It's not going to make a difference. Well, you need to rethink that strategy because you need to come up with something else because you're not doing anything. It's certainly not going to stop it. That, that's not going to do it. You, that's what they want you to do. They want certain people not to vote. They don't want everybody not to vote, but they, 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 they're super fine with people of color not voting because in that case, Usually, that delivers it up to the Republicans. So, you know, I think that, that our message, or at least my message here, is to say we really need to think about this, the so-called democracy and also the economic system. I know the economic system is a little bit harder to think about and reflect on and deal with, but definitely think about how you have a democratic institution that allows this kind of thuggery, this type of this pure authoritarian type of uh, 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 political uh, 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 stuff to, to to get to the White House to get into to the to the institutions uh, of the society, you know, and and it's threatening to wreak serious havoc. I mean, it's already wreaking serious havoc uh, now, and it's going to wreak even more havoc uh, every day that he's in there. Uh, anybody? Well, um, well ahead, um, I kind of want to jump off on a little bit on what Carl is saying to try to answer this point. Mm-hmm. We're caretakers mm-hmm. of history, 
we un- we look mm-hmm. at our history to sit here and see what is the good things, what's the bad. And just to jump off there for for a second, like let's say for example the Justice Democrats, they're trying to take over the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. Carl has said on a number of occasions that if you look at at the Democratic Party over de- over decades and centuries, you can't do that. So we've had more than one attempt by people to take over the party. And that's why, you know, uh, if you look in the 60s and 70s, I believe, Fannie Lou Hamer and the Freedom Democrats were a thing. They tried to take over the party. LBJ gave civil rights and then said, I want nothing else to do with you. And they've been going corporate ever since. So you have to sit here and do something outside of the party to try to do something. Um, to answer your other question, um, I kind of put it into three different categories, a local category, a national category, and an international category. How can we mm-hmm. on the left sit here and build locally, nationally, internationally? Who do we have to ally with? What coalitions do we have to make? Because, of course, the right wing is going to make counter-revolutionary um, coalitions, such as gun nuts, social conservatives, et cetera. And those are just described with some of ours, which is, you know, we can look into minority groups and see that if we don't sit here and work together, we got to build those. But even then, on in history, we also have examples. For example, like um, Native American structures uh, before 1776 would be a great example because many different Native American tribes were had different types of um, what we can call socialist or even, I guess, an- ancient communist structures. Um, I think a long time back, I, I tweeted you all about a, a book called Tanzania, The Hidden Socialist State. I, I, I don't think anybody read it, but the basic thing is this was an entire state, an entire country that was run on a socialist principle, which, whereupon they had very similar things to like Paideia, Montessori schools. They had the children being able to do the education and figure out, and, you know, basically fire the teacher if they weren't doing a good job. They had mm-hmm. various different things, various different types of democracy that worked for the people. And I know um, one thing I read a long time ago as I was going on my path of left-wingism, you know, because there's different socialisms, was C.L.R. James. Um, can of right. govern or something to that extent, whereupon he talks about Athens and the democracy. And I mean, we can talk about slaves and everything in Athens, but it, it had a democratic base somewhere in there, even though people had these class contradictions. But it, it did last quite a while. I believe it was two centuries versus, say, an authoritarian mm-hmm. state, which lasts a shorter time. But it's, it disrupts so many people's lives that people eventually go back to a democratic state of some sort. So mm-hmm. I think we have to look at, at our history to sit here and see where can we go, where have we been before, and will we learn a lesson from those yeah. to, to do a lot better. Right. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Totally agree. But Anaj, you want to hop yeah, in there? Yeah, and if, if I can add just real quick, uh, I also think we need to figure out new ways of identifying things, and I mean just in using the tools that are available. 
So right now, Black Agenda Report has more subscribers than they've ever had. Uh, the young young white kids, uh, Chapo Trap House, that do that podcast where they talk about leftist things uh, in a joking, entertaining way, but they got a whole bunch of Patreon subscribers. So you can start looking at some of these podcasts, then start looking at some of these online groups, and a good way to be uh, detailed and find them is all you got to do is look up mainstream so-called leftist media and the people who are jumping on their heads all of the time. You go to Joy Ann Reed and Jake Tapper and those people whose mentions are in shambles after they say some ridiculous thing and you see the leftist groups come out and jump <laughs> on them. Well, you, you find one follower and you follow that one and then you look at what groups they're connected to and then you see what actions that group is doing and we can start to see what size, uh, what I would call, the real legitimate left or the left who's actually interested in progressive policies and progressive ideas, you can actually find out how big they are in, you know, in different areas. Uh, you kind of mm-hmm. act like one of these alphabet groups and kind of doing your little research on them. But, yeah, I, I think these are good identifiers to see how big some of this stuff is. And I'm starting to be amazed by the level of conversation we're seeing on social media. Of course, we see the old raggedy stuff we always used to see, but we're also seeing different levels to where you realize, like, okay, if people can be radicalized to be ridiculous, people can also start to find really, really good information and actually just need, you know, a, a little push here, a push there, or uh, you're picking up stuff from them. So that's the amazing part, too. So I, I think we just got to look a little harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, to, mm-hmm. just to add to that, um, some of the groups that I've been in, I know I don't know if you all have ever heard of some of the social media, such as like 4chan and everything, but there is a left-wing anonymous group that I've been associated with, and I've found a lot of great people. So we are on, like, a lot of left, left-wingers left have been developing. Some of my friends mm-hmm. in Great Britain, I found them through what's called Lefty Poll. And just the, the, these are the same people that got together and helped fund Richard D. Wolf for one of his episodes that he does at the church, you know, his hour-long episode discussions of what's mm-hmm. going on economically. These... Right. The left wing is basically building up, and just as the right wing is building up, you know, where we have, you know, the the unite the right, so to speak. We have a left burgeoning left wing. Some of them are doing magazines such as Jacobin, and some of them are doing like underground discussions or debating liberalism and conservatism. And that's how I got involved with the fascist right, but we will never do that again, I promise you. I shoot, but <laughs> that's my point. We, we we are building, and we're doing Patreon, and all of these others just begin to do community funding since, you know, mm-hmm. there's no other option, the banks, et cetera, et cetera. So just wanted to no, I, I, add I that. Yeah, I think that, that yeah. we, you know, go ahead. Yeah, I, 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 the the point that both uh, Jay and, and Nas make is that there's rumblings, there's motion, there's things happening, mm-hmm. um, and people are building, uh, uh, you know, whether it's uh, using podcasts or whether it's uh, magazines or publications, there's, there's lots happening on the ground. It's not necessarily visible, but it's happening, and it's, I think there. I think as Jay says, there's there's movement on the right, but there's there's some serious movement on the left. Yes, it's not as organized and highly structured as we would like to be. I would 
I would like to be something like what took place in Greece, but one day we will get there. But it is happening on the ground. Um, I can talk from my own personal experience in comparison to Charlottesville and from my own personal experience in Sacramento. When we first dealt with uh, David Duke um, in, in the late 1970s, we knew then that David Duke was a three-piece suit Ku Klux Klan. Everyone kept telling us, "No, David Duke is, you know, he's, you know, he's not like them. These guys are going to be more, you know, you know, they they may have conservative and maybe right-wing uh, statements, but they're not like the old, you know, clan where they want to you know, put the hood on right around the country." We kept saying they're the same one, and they came to SAC. Um, there was many of us came, um, and we kept him right there at the airport until the point where we, he had to leave Sacramento and go to to the Bay Area. Well, he hasn't been back. He may have been back to California, but he's probably underground. He's not public like he used to be. What I have noticed is that people have the perception that that form of racism, that form of bigotry, that form of neo-Nazism has, you know, that's out in, in, in Montana, Wyoming, uh, those parts of the, the country. What Charlottesville has demonstrated two things. One is that it's alive and well, and people are fighting back. They're not going to just simply say we're going to sit down and let's all have a dialogue. I mean, what took place in Charleston when they, you know, had the guy you know, praying with him in the church, and he stayed with him for an you know an hour, and he turned around and killed killed him anyway. Clearly, demonstrate what their intentions um, uh, are. And I think one other thing is is that I feel that around the world there's a lot of motion is taking place. So our question is how we tap into it, connect with it, dialogue mm-hmm. with, struggle with, mm-hmm. um, with folks from around the world. We have to, as Jay said, we have to build locally. We have to build statewide, we have to build nationally, and then also internationally. We have to do all of that um, to make it work. But I, 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 and also, I think the last point is that I think there's a new generation coming up now, the, uh, this new generation of folks, and, and I'm not talking in terms of age, but it's a, it's a new generation of folks who who are basically sharper and sharper in analysis and not going to fall for the okie doke that, you know, I, I, I'm too tired, so we can't do this. I'm too tired, and we can't struggle around it. There's a pe- people are pushed up against the wall and want to do something and have a much sharper analysis. Now, there's a lot more crap out there, but I want to tell folks, during the 60s, there were crap out there, even in the anti-war movement. The yippies, you know, every left group used to talk about the yippies because they were, they were jokesters around the issue of the anti-war. And people had real struggles with them in the sense that you know, they're not taking this seriously. So I'm not saying that this is a new phenomenon. This is also, that always takes place when you're when you have lots of people engaged in a movement and struggling, and there will be a lot more new groups, new individuals, new spontaneous action that's going to be taking place. Because I think to a large extent, the election of 45 it, it, as the presidency has really reawakened folks to say we need to do something. I'm not saying that the left wasn't doing work then, but I think it is now bringing many more people into the struggle that 
had not been in the struggle before and now are eager and interested in knowing, you know, uh, you know, socialist ta- um, viewpoints, tactics, and struggle around this issue. Yeah, yeah. We, well, we we anticipated that when we we knew that when we said we knew that if you know we said on the show we said if if, if, if the boy if the asshole wins that that you only have two ways to deal with this thing either you're gonna bend over and take it or you know you're gonna have to rise up and and that's what and that's what has to happen and and the reason why it has to happen is because a lot of shit that we didn't do before he got in power so we have to take some of the blame as well. That, that we have to be more mature. Like Dane Baldwin said, you know, this is a very, you know, America's a very privileged, powerful country, but it's a lot of immature-ass people, very immature. They don't take, uh, you know, what they have seriously. And I think hopefully that's the lesson that uh, uh, people will learn uh, coming out of this, that, you know, this, this gonna, you're going to have to be sharper. You're going to have to be able to understand, you know, uh, what, is taking place during an election or before, even before and after an election. You've got to understand power structure, how it works. You've got to understand how money works in the society, how economics works. you got to do that to a certain extent because you have a, a power structure that can move on shit a lot faster and, and, and can deliver some bullshit like, you know, the asshole did and, and get you wrapped up in some stuff that leads you nowhere. Um, I was reading um, this kind of segue to, an example, you know, about about the asshole and his policies. You know, the the Foxconn is um, is reportedly uh, bring you know will be ha- will will bring some jobs back here to the United States. And you know, Foxconn is the one who produces all the Apple phones and all the stuff in China, and they have different factories in there. You know, the huge you know it's a huge uh, huge industry. And um, so anyway, they they're in this deal now to possibly bring, you know, 3,000 jobs up to 13,000 jobs after they get in place. But guess what? I mean, the way that's happening is it's going to happen at the, at the taxpayer's expense. So according to this article, uh, taxpayers will put the bill uh, between 230000 uh, $230, and $1 million for each job created. In other words, they're getting billions of dollars of tax cuts to come, you know, to, 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 to build shops. Um, I think it was in Wisconsin. That's what it is. In Wisconsin, which is you know already have serious uh, labor and, and class struggle, uh, so they they're they're getting these, these huge amounts of, of tax cuts, and 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 essentially the, the the taxpayers will pretty much be like paying for themselves to have a job, you know, or paying for their brothers or their sisters or their family, or, or you know their fellow citizens to have a job. This this kind of thing, if you don't know how this economic thing works, then you'll fall for this bullshit, right? Um, you, that's why we have to be much more sharper. That's the reason why we tried, you know, to start, we did the we started the show to try to give, you know, I know I've learned a lot just even in the, in the couple of years that we're trying to do this show uh, in terms of deepening my analysis on the economic and, and political system, particularly the economic system. But we have to be much sharper now because, um, the the things that are that are taking place um, happen much more quickly, um, and you can certainly like I think Naj has said it. You, know, you can get propagandized in a few in a, in a couple of weeks to believe something, and then there also is you know a lot of misinformation. I don't want to use the word fake news because that's 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 something they say. I'm talking about misinformation, or it's not misinformation, but they they're giving you 
and they're cloaking it in a neoliberal ideology or, or, or neoliberal interest, right, capitalist interest. So it may not be total misinformation, but they ain't giving you all the information that you need to make a good decision. So, but anyway, I mean, I just thought I'd kind of segue into uh, to that. We have about 20, 20, minute, 20 minutes left. I don't know if anybody else want to um, move forward. Yeah, just real quick, I'll I just add on to what Carl was saying, just real quick. Uh, I mean, not Carl, but what Carl was saying. But just think about the idea of using the taxpayer dime to essentially subsidize corporate forces, and then you turn around yeah. and say, well, the government spending is out of control here. We need more austerity. So then you go right. to the actual things right. that people are used to, that they need to get by, that a city actually needs to function, and you start to remove those things. And the people who don't use those, which are the oligarchs who benefit from that tax subsidy, they don't care because it doesn't affect them. But the working people usually don't even see the game being run on them and will not only march and yell for austerity and stop spending, but they're essentially taking food and health care and everything else out of their own children's mouths. So, you know, it, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's a crazy way of thinking, but if, if people never challenge certain ideas, you know, that, that are presented as just natural truths. Uh, then, you know, you'll have these difficulties. But Wisconsin is kind of, hey, man, we saw the Walker <laughs> run. Yeah. And the, the I mean, and it's going to be, out of that. And, right. And just like you said, though, the article talks about that. Now, the article is really pushing for, you know, corporate corporations and capitalism to really, like, be independent and, and do what it's supposed to do. So I'm not agreeing with that. But it does raise a question about, that when you tax, you tax, you know, when you allow companies like that to come in and build shop and stuff like that, and, 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 you don't, and you don't tax them properly, that puts the taxes back on the working class and the middle class, you know, who have to pay even more taxes, right? And they get frustrated because they feel like they're being overtaxed, right? And so that's where, that's what people don't understand. I mean, some of these right-wing white folks don't understand that. You, you, most of them, all they fucking see at the end of the day, and I understand this, they, they see their paycheck, and, and, they, and they see that, it's, it, you know, the government's taking this out, taking this out, taking this out, and then you get somebody like a Trump who come back and say, well, no, I'm not going to tax you anymore. I'm not going to tax you anymore. You know, I'm not going to raise taxes on you. And that kind of, as a matter of fact, I'm going to lower taxes. That, that doesn't happen under, under, any, under um, either party, right? And particularly when you, the more and more that these corporations siphon money off the economy and they don't pay their taxes, they don't contribute to that, then it makes it difficult for the working class and the middle class to, uh, because they have to pay to, to show up the, the, uh, uh, the, 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 you know, the hold in the economy that's, that's needed. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, the article talked about that, Naj, exactly. Talked about that point for sure. And they talked about it's going gonna, it's gonna to mean, you know, um, I think they said something about $5.3 billion on, on um, you know, the Wisconsin economy. It's going to cost, you know, Wisconsin that much. We have this Foxconn, um, you know, there, and, and they think it's a positive thing. Um, and, and the article said they've probably been better off bringing farming back and agriculture back to the to Wisconsin rather than bringing these factories. Anybody? Yeah, I, I think that those are all bait and switch uh, tactic um, that both of you um, really describe really really well. Part of it is. Um, when a lot of the factories left uh, or began to leave in the, in the 90s uh, and in the African-American communities was in the 80s. But 
people are, are struggling and trying to get by. So they're sold those bill of goods that, you know, uh, we need these factories because, um, and we need to give uh, tax breaks and benefits to them because it'll produce some jobs. The problem is they're proposing 3,000 jobs is most likely will be less. That's number one. Number two, yeah. they probably have far more unemployed people than they have jobs available. Number t- uh, number three, they they will not be u- unionized jobs. They will make sure they're non-union jobs if it happens. And number four, 45 lies a lot, so we don't even know if it's really going to happen. Um, right. You don't even know if it's, you know, Foxcom basically sat down or had a conversation, you know, and said, well, you know, it may have been a good idea to come to the U.S., and he ran off with it and thinking it's coming to Wisconsin. You really don't know because there's been no real deal. I haven't seen anything. And I read the Wall Street Journal, Business Week, Barron, Barron and, um, and Fortune faithfully. And I haven't seen not one single story on Foxconn. So mm-hmm. I don't even know if it's true. Yeah, this, because this if it was true, because I did, I, I, I bookmarked it. No, there has been no problem. But there has been. There was talk about it, and, and it's not like it's not like the same type of factories that you get uh, necessarily in, in in China. I mean, you, a lot of these are going to be probably a lot of them are going to be skilled jobs. I mean, it's not going to be just some basic run of the mill assembly line. So I mean, you know, but there there was some talk about Foxconn, and but the point. Doesn't matter. The point that you make about the fact that they're not going to be unionized, um, they're going to, the wages are going to be as low as possible, and they're getting a huge tax break. And this is what, again, this is what people need to understand how you get hoodwinked because you don't understand how economic system works. And if you don't understand how economic system works, then you allow some asshole like Trump, who's nothing but a fucking, you know, uh, 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 a real estate, you know, a real estate person. I mean, and you know, they're like old. Old car sales, you know, you try to they 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 they're, they're, they're more to it. They're thugs, right? So yeah, go ahead now. There's actually I mean, uh, uh, they, mm-hmm. uh, there's actually more to it than this because while mm-hmm. this Foxconn may be one story that may or may not be true according to right. what you all are saying, there's also the mm-hmm. other other side of this. Um, did you all hear about Nissan factory and they they didn't vote? Like the um, people basically didn't vote for a union. Oh right? yeah, the one in Mississippi. Yes. Yeah, there's that going on. Plus, you have like um, there was a wow. big story in Washington Post that about Jeff Bezos basically, you know, doing everything in his power to just destroy local economies, you know, for the bookstore yeah, and everything. Definitely. So, yeah. the whole system, the whole aim of the game is supposedly for the billionaires to get richer. But people haven't Mm -hmm. recognized that there is a corporate state that allows the rich to get richer through the corporations while they are the ones that are paying taxes. The shift, the burden of, you know, tax distribution is basically regressive. Mm -hmm. That means middle class, poor working class, the people that get hit the most are the ones that have the least to pay. You know, I mean, we can right. go into the prison industrial complex and talk about how they are put into debt, you know, David Graeber and everything. But that's just one aspect of the entire issue whereupon the rich want to get richer and keep it 
and I have to listen to my daughter. So I'll stop it there. Yeah, can, I, can, I, can, I, can I piggyback on him real quick before you uh-huh. move it, Carl? Uh-huh. Uh, just real quick. I mean, just we are in a period of uh, just economic fallout just based on disruptive technology. And these dis- disruptive technologies are based on uh, let's cut the cost of a brick and mortar, let's cut the cost of a union, let's cut the cost of all of these things that exist uh, based on the, the old structure and completely revamp it based on us holding some form of technology. So Uber uh, destroys the taxi industry. Amazon, as he just alluded to when he talked about Alaska, you're talking about taking market share from everybody. The thing that orders the toilet paper and Amazon can do it cheaper than anybody. And they just got uh, a bill passed to where it's going to be okay for them not to show you uh, other, other sites that may be able to compete with a price that they have. Uh, Google just got fined $300 billion in Europe, or I mean $3 billion in Europe, uh, for not, not doing searches to where people would, would get something that was outside the Google Nexus. So we're seeing uh, basically Amazon and Google on a race to a trillion dollars, and they don't care what industries they destroy on the way or what workforces no longer exist as they get there. So it's, it's disruptive economic uh, terrorism to a certain degree. Now, I know that's an extreme word to use in it, but when you talk about people who have gone to school for STEM subjects, never did anything with humanities and philosophy, now you put those young 20-year-olds at the head of, you know, industries this gigantic out there on the left coast of California, uh, the fallout or the idea of thinking about workers uh, doesn't even come up. You know what I mean? Like you have to ask these questions, ethical questions about technology to where billions of people have these phones in their hands and they're downloading these apps and, and taking on new things, and these things can destroy industries based on which ones you're selecting. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah no, I, I, that, that's a really good point. The reason why I, I was going to speak to uh, what took place in uh, Canton, Mississippi, about the unionization drive, because that really speaks to the question of uh, what 45 and the neo-Nazis today. Um, it was a Nissan plant in Canton, um, Mississippi, uh, about 6,400 workers, a vast majority of them are black. And they were the, the struggle was wh- whether to uh, have the United Auto Workers represent them in this Nissan plant. Um, all, the, all the supervisors and upper management um, are white. All the other workers are, uh, are black. So they, they got racism structurally implanted inside the mm-hmm. Nissan plant. And what they did was um uh, uh uh what they did was they they used racism to say that white workers shouldn't unite with the black workers who wanted uh, a union, united all the workers uh because, you know, they were lower your pay and uh, uh um uh, uh you know, make your life worse. Uh, the other, they went after um, uh, the African American workers in East Side, and this is the part of the union busting technique to keep them from going there. Was to say that if you get if you get unionized, all the jobs will go to white people because that's where all the better paid jobs are are going to be. So they really use race to the highest level to defeat 
the organizing effort, and this was a major organizing effort for, by the United Auto Workers to really unionize uh, workers in the South. Uh, I think they way underestimated the question around race, and they way underestimated how it is is so endemic in the structure to even at the level of the production unit. So um, it, it, it's it's really, really, really powerful. And I like the point, uh, I also speak to the point where um, Nas speak, speaks about how people has been miseducated to such a degree that they're not even believe that they're workers. They're, you know, cash, what do you call it, associates, or we're, ca- um, we're um, contract uh, uh, employees. Uh, we, you know, we, we have such a technological, we use our intellectual skills and therefore we don't, we don't identify with the, you know, the manual labor worker. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, what the, what people don't understand is that the, the boss and the capitalists have used these miseducation as divide and conquer tech, uh, tactical, uh, techniques also to, miseducate and lower the political consciousness of of working people to the degree that they don't even know who they are um and their and, and, and the need to be uh in a collective bargaining and they need to be in a union to, to dismiss it to say that it's not going to work for for me to be united it's a collective body versus you know i could do it on my own you know with my intellectual and technological skills i could get high wages and high pay well they sold that that that's typical you know neoliberalism free trader uh thinking that has been permeating uh since the early 1990s yeah we have about 8 minutes yeah, left i just want agreed. to say really quick really quickly we have uh well the the article that i was referring to was uh, in chicago tribune back in august august 9th but um, I want to come back to what, um, you know, what, what Nas is saying. You know, the thing is, is that people don't understand about this, you know, about this Amazon thing. You know, one, one, I found out that Amazon is being subsidized. The, the, uh, a lot of this delivery uh, using the, uh, the United uh, Parcel, I think the United Parcel Post or the, no, the U.S. Um, U.S. Post Office, I think. When, when, when they utilize the U.S. Post Office, they get money from, I think the government, in order to use that service. So in other words, they're getting they're getting some subsidies for using that service. I mean, and this is probably happening in a lot of corporations where they make deals with the government to try to maintain jobs and at a taxpayer's expense. The, the thing is, the thing is complicated about this technological movement is that, on one sense, the Amazon model would be great. If you didn't have, I mean, parts of it or, or lots of it would be great if you didn't have capitalism. In other words, here you are managing, you know, these goods um, and to, to the extent that they're managing them, you, you, you're reducing the amount of finger, uh, footprint, economic, you know, uh, environmental footprint to get a whole bunch of stuff to these, you know, these smaller stores all over the country. I mean, so in other words, I, I have to, I would, I would prefer to, to see you know, a distribution of books, for example, just taking books as an example, a books as an example, to see it distributed by something like an Amazon, as opposed to having, you know, thousands and thousands of bookstores across the country where books would just be sitting there for like a long time and never get sold. So I mean, we, can, we can talk about, you know, that, that kind of management system, but it's not a good system, 
and 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 on the capital system where you, again you see these billionaires. You know, Jeff Bezos is one. Of, I think he's on record. He's, he's on the on the path to being I think the third or second uh, richest person. You know, uh, least in the United States maybe in the world. So he, I mean, he's you know getting a lot of money there, and and, and I'm pretty sure his um, the, the stockholders in, in in Amazon as well. But so those those kind of that technological development is not always a bad thing, but it's a bad thing in terms of the kind of economic political structure that we live under right now, that under capitalism. That's where it's a bad thing. We do need to have technological management of, of resources. We do need to have reduced labor uh, time at jobs. We do need to have higher pay. There's a lot of we need to be able to do that, that ironically, you know, uh, technology could do that, but, we, but it's, it requires a, a, a rethinking about what it means to work, rethinking about, you know, allowing people to have huge amounts of wealth accumulation, uh, personal wealth accumulation. We, we gotta, there's no way that's going to be consistent, that this kind of technology is not going to be consistent and it's not going to help everybody else like that. We're going to have to really question that and change it because it's not going to help us in the long run. It's just not going to do it. Even if it's going it's to it's enrich the, uh, the, the people who are already rich, but the vast majority of people who are working and consumers are going to be continuing to struggle. And that's what we're already facing that right now. We already do. We have five minutes left. Right, right. Because technology is neutral within itself. It just depends on who you're talking about has that hammer. And these people we're yeah. talking about, they're swinging that hammer down, meaning right. uh, when Amazon takes over market share or something, those workers don't have jobs anymore. I think there were, right. uh, what, 25 Macy's brick and mortars who closed last year because they can't compete with Amazon on price point for clothes. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, mm-hmm. Macy's is in flux. A lot of people lost their jobs. But if you're Amazon, you don't even consider that within the calculus because your concern is market share. Right. And, what, and, and Amazon is thinking about opening up some local stores for whatever sets of reason to get people that kind of, you know, that, you know, be able to pick up shit you know, before, they, before they buy it. I mean, they, they, see, they see the necessity for that, but you're right that may, you know, we see in mall, we see in malls across the country. I've heard that have closed down. You know, these these little small stores that are closed that are closed down uh, because of that. And again, that that again, it would not be a bad thing, but you got to have a different system. You know, you can't just change the technology yeah. and keep the old capitalist system. You can't do that because they're inconsistent. It doesn't work that way. Hey, you're and, you're and just that, making them more it, effective at grinding people up. Because I mean, that, that exactly, like, look, exactly. We said Uber earlier. A uh, taxi cab driver has to pay for the state license in his window. He has to have a car up to a certain standard as far as emissions, and he has to mm-hmm. have uh, a, a certain year of car because they tell you you can't drive a taxi after a certain year and use it, you know, in your business. So mm-hmm. they got expenses and overhead. So Uber comes in, hey, regular person, hey, you, you pay this uh, insurance fee. We, we sign you up with Uber. You drive a car. Uh, we, we're half the price of taxi. Sooner or later we cut taxis out. And when we do, we'll, ju- right. we'll put automatic cars in, get rid of the drivers, and now we've got that whole market share uh, without the, the, the overhead that anybody else used to have. And then you call that genius when it's destructive. Well, I mean, that's, what destructive happened, that's, what with, that, that's what happened with, I've heard my barber was telling me about Lyft. Lyft is like you, Uber, right? Now, Lyft got this thing now where they are signing people up, like they set up a little table at, you know, at, at a mall, sign people up, and say we will let you uh, lease a car. You can lease a car and do and do lift for us, right? So they're getting a big chunk of the, the stuff that when people go out 
and do the driving, they're taking they're, the people doing the driving are going to take in less money, and the, and and the people who are leasing the cars and Lyft are going to take more of the money. So it's just only a matter of time. This is how they do it. They get a lot of people involved in it. Then they find ways to roll back on, you know, how much people are getting paid. They, they're certainly not going to provide any kind of, you know, union protections that uh, that you traditionally should be getting as a worker. You're not going to have that. So, it, it, so we, that's the reason I'm saying it's so important to study how this system works, how the economic system works, because if we don't, you will fall for it and because you're desperate, you need a job, you need to survive. Hey, I totally get it. I totally get that. But we're, we're you know, this is not going to end well. It's not going to end well. Well, when the more you have technology, it's going to it's, it's disruptive technology at, at that. And yet you're doing it under old type of system that's been around, and that system has also got problems, and it also is decaying. So I think that's what that's what you know the Trump years come out of. But look, guys, we're we're out in. We have 90 minutes left. I'm going to close it out. And just letting everybody know that this will be our last show for a while, people who are still listening. But we really have enjoyed it, and we really uh, appreciate the people that have been in contact with us. Uh, definitely not, but Brother Naj, Jay, and, and Brother Carl has been really good and fun. Not, not only fun, but really I've learned a lot from this. And uh, so if we, if we can find a way to get back here, we'll come back stronger. If we can find a way to, to let some other things go back here. So really appreciate it. Anything else you want to say, Carl, in the closing out? Uh, no, it's been fun. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, brother Nas, take care, brother. Take care, brother Jay. Take all care. Right. Uh, same to all of y'all, man. Thanks for letting me on. Good talk with y'all. All right, take care. Same right, here. Take care. Yeah.